so excited to have with us today, Christina Shapiro, president of the Impact Fund for Children at UNICEF USA. Christina, welcome. Thank you, George. It's great to be with you today. So great to have you here today, especially during this time, Christina, to talk a little bit about the work you're doing and about you and your career. And so um, I'd like to start by asking you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well as your professional journey? Sure. Um, I think you and I had the chance to meet uh, in the past, and you told me you were also uh, born and raised abroad. Um, I was born and raised in Mexico City. And while I was lucky enough to have access to all of the educational, educational and health-related services that I needed, I knew early on that I wanted to focus on ways to curb the inequity that I saw every day around me. So in terms of my professional journey, George, I used the first few years out of college to acquire key business skills in consulting and modeling, and, um, uh, financial modeling, I should say, and marketing, and then uh, chose uh, grad school as a way to pivot into what I consider the impact phase of my career. And I uh, went to SEPA, and then after SEPA, went to work for the city of New York, and then after the city of New York to Goldman Sachs. But the thread through the last 17 years, both in the public and private sector, were that I focused on helping underserved small businesses get access to the services, staff, business education, and financing they needed to scale their enterprises. And the reason that was so rewarding to me is that I was able to evidence the resilience and the creativity and the impact that small business owners have, not only on their families, uh, but on their communities uh, more broadly. And so that journey uh, took me from private to public and uh, now to nonprofit. And I'm, I feel privileged that I've had to, the chance to work across all of these sectors because each and every one of those sectors are critical to helping solve the economic, environmental, and social challenges that we have ahead of us. Well, what's incredible about that, I mean, I love everything you said, but what's incredible about that is the cross-sector nature of what you just described yeah. as a career journey. And I think that everyone should have that opportunity. Everyone should have the perspective at the minimum to understand the importance of this cross-sector collaboration. And in your case, you've had a front row seat to that, which is why we're so excited to be talking to you today about your recent appointment as the new president of the Impact Fund for Children and the Bridge Fund as well at UNICEF USA. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow, hearing you say that, I get all excited all over again. Yeah. It's, it's, officially, two, it's officially two months on the job today. Today. Well, happy, today happy I, work anniversary. <laughs> That's incredible. Today. I mean, Thank you. we love anniversaries. We love birthdays. We love <laughs> timelines. And, and so what made you decide that this position, I think I heard a little bit of that in your intro, but what made you decide that this specific position was the right fit for you, as well as that next step in your absolutely incredible journey. Thank you, George. So let me first tell you, the, the Impact Fund for Children is the impact investing affiliate of UNICEF USA. And UNICEF USA is the key advocacy, engagement, and fundraising partner for UNICEF in the United States. So just that way you, um, you and your audience know what the Impact Fund for Children is. And there are really three key reasons for why this was the, the right next step for me. Uh, one, I, I wanted to be part of an organization where impact was at the core of everything. So it was undisputable that we were focused on impact. 
And it was also, I wanted to be part of an organization where the target of our impact was unquestionably clear. There are a lot of organizations that focus on impact, but the, the impact tar the, the focus of their impact is maybe very fragmented. And I, I like the idea of an organization that focuses every single day on helping to make the lives of children, vulnerable children around the world better. The second uh, main reason is that I was ready for a leadership role uh, where I would be able to raise, manage, and deploy money. And in other words, use finance for good. I've, I've had roles that, uh, that leverage finance and others that don't, and I wanted to keep leveraging finance and doing it for a, a core focus on impact. And the last reason is that, um, in my perspective, is that investing in children has the best return on investment. Preventing health issues, uh, helping children access education and, and, and keeping them safe enables them to, to thrive and become key contributing members to their economy, um, helping drive GDP. I don't think there is a better investment we can make. Well, and I have to agree with you, and you know that. I, I, I think that's the, the most impactful, most powerful investment you can make is absolutely in children. And so given the current situation, this global pandemic, uh, unprecedented, how are you and your colleagues utilizing innovation and technology to help keep business as usual on some level? Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll focus later on some of the innovative uh, projects that we're doing in the pro from a project finance perspective. But with regards to our organization, uh, UNICEF USA is working entirely remotely via Zoom and huge kudos to my colleagues in IT who immediately set up the entire organization of over 300 people in UNICEF USA to work remotely so we could continue with, with our efforts. Um, the, the other thing I'll share is that due to the pandemic, like a lot of other organizations, yourselves included, George, um, you know, a lot of our galas and typical fundraising events uh, were canceled. However, our special, incredible special events team uh, put together two virtual events in May. Uh, one was bringing together our uh, regional leadership team, over 110 people from our regional boards, were able to join on a Zoom call to hear from Executive Director Henrietta Four, but also to talk amongst themselves how we could address um, the urgent needs of children um, around the world in response to COVID. The other really exciting event was that UNICEF USA hosted its first streaming event, UNICEF Won't Stop. And I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it was an incredible production where iconic musicians and UNICEF ambassadors guided audiences on a journey to 11 countries, highlighting UNICEF's COVID-19 response, elevating frontline workers, health experts, and children that UNICEF serves. And during the event, I don't know if you are an ABBA fan, but Cher debuted her single Chiquitita with all of the royalties to benefit UNICEF's work. Um, and two highlights from that event, which I think are really exciting um, for the team that produced it. One is that it's estimated that portions of that video were seen by over 5 million people, not just in the US, but abroad. And from a fundraising standpoint, UNICEF USA uh, was able to capture a lot of new donors. 72% of the donations came from donors that hadn't previously donated to UNICEF USA. Incredible. So, I thought I think that was incredibly successful. Well, it is incredibly successful, and and I did see uh, pieces of it, and I thought it was incredibly inspiring and very well done, and and especially you know a way to continue the focus, the eternal focus on the incredible work that you're doing at UNICEF, and obviously with all the work you're doing directly 
including what we recently saw in the news, which is the bridge fund accelerated $10 million to scale up the distribution of PPE supplies, PPE supplies, personal protective equipment. Can you explain to the global audience today about this acceleration and where some of these supplies are heading? Absolutely. So uh, let me first provide some context again. So before I talk about the transaction, the UNICEF USA Bridge Fund is the core impact investing tool of the impact fund. You know, you asked me a question before the impact fund is the affiliate. It's almost like the parent company. And the bridge fund is the core impact product that the impact fund has had for the last nine years. And the reason the bridge fund exists is that it addresses the timing gaps between that emerge between when a donor makes a commitment to UNICEF and when the UNICEF actually receives that cash. So we, we aim to bridge that timing gap. And since 2011, we have been able to pre-finance uh, over $340 million, helping you know, nearly a billion children around the world. So most of the bridge funding that we've done has supported the purchase of vaccines and health supplies historically. It has also pre-financed the uh, purchase and distribution of nutrition commodities and uh, other UNICEF programs. But very importantly, we also have been able to respond in, in situations that like emergencies like COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so what you just mentioned is uh, the fact that we were able to provide $10 million of bridge financing capacity for the UNICEF supply division to purchase PPE on behalf of governments that are waiting for funding for multilaterals like the World Bank or others, so that healthcare workers can safely treat those with COVID-19. So that, that's it in a nutshell. And what I would say is that you, you can understand, George, that in, in this pandemic in particular, every day matters. And our funds allow UNICEF to accelerate supply purchases often by months. Incredible. So I think that, that, that tells you what it is. Um, I want to answer your second question, which is where are the supplies heading? And so, um, you know, for example, the 10 million that we were able to provide has already been deployed to help several countries in Africa and in Central Asia to accelerate the availability of supplies. And the way that it works is that we provide the 10 million, they send it out to buy supplies on behalf of governments. As the World Bank funding or multilateral funding comes in, UNICEF can redeploy those 10 million multiple times so that they can keep purchasing supplies. So it functions almost like a revolving fund. They keep that 10 million on a revolving basis and then don't send it back to us until the end of the year so that we're able to achieve greater, help them achieve greater impact. You know, you're describing such incredible impact and I can see why you're so excited just two months in. I mean, it's hard yeah. to believe you've <laughs> just been doing it. I mean, the way you're talking about it, it's as if this is the culmination of years of planning and just, I'm in, I'm in awe, I'm awestruck by the work that you're doing. Can you tell us maybe a bit about some other projects, some big projects, because they're always big projects in the, in the world you're working in <laughs> Yes, uh, there are at UNICEF that you're really excited and, and obviously passionate about. Yeah. Well, big kudos to the team. As, as I told you, I've only been there for two months. So a lot of what we're able to do is, is the result of the incredible team that is still there or that came before me that was able to set this up. So I won't take any credit for any of this work. 
Um, so things that I'm excited about are our ability to remain nimble, in particular in times of crisis, George, where you just have to be able to respond quickly. And in the context of COVID, you know, UNICEF has been working and continues to work with governments, partners, and businesses to provide access to life-saving supplies, including PPE, which we talked about. So I'm really uh, honored that last week, honored to be, be part of this organization because last week UNICEF USA, in partnership with the Impact Fund for Children and the UNICEF Supply Division announced a new financial tool called the FAST Fund for UNICEF. This is in addition and separate from the Bridge Fund. And the FAST Fund is meant to help accelerate the supply of PPE by providing financial guarantees for UNICEF Supply Division to procure essential goods. So I'd like, I'd like to tell you a little bit about how it works um, um, because it is different than the Bridge Fund. The FAST Fund will provide guarantees to protect UNICEF's prepayment uh, of supplies until goods are delivered. This is important because some suppliers now are asking for about one third of the total cost upfront, which would increase the risk for UNICEF. So we provide the guarantee and after the delivery of the goods, which typically takes between 30 and 60 days, the guarantee is released and can be used to guarantee another transaction and so on and so forth until the, the funds term ends, which we expect will be at least a year. And at this point, we're looking to raise $3 million at a minimum from individual donors, foundations, corporations, donor advised funds in the form of either grants or recoverable grants. So think about this. If you're an, an impact investor that wants to make a very impactful investment and have the possibility of recouping your principal back at the end of 18 months, the FAST Fund recoverable grant is an excellent opportunity for you. And in terms of impact, um, this really this really grounded it for me. Uh, UNICEF USA estimates that for each $100,000 investment, which can be recycled about six times in one year, we're able to secure uh, up to $1.8 million in supplies, which can benefit up to 12,000 healthcare workers. So, yeah. so we're calling impact investors forward because we think they can have a huge role in this crisis and also obviously in helping us address the broader SDGs. So that's what I'm excited about. Well, and as you should be, because it's just profound and so incredibly rewarding to even just hear this type of work being done and led by folks like yourself and your team and all the folks that come around these projects. Um, and now knowing that, that you are in a position of leadership within this organization is just uh, so rewarding for me personally and professionally, because I understand the empathy and the pathos and all these other words that I could come up with that, that you include in your work. And so just a few short months ago, it was, you know, January and, uh, wow, you know, we were looking at 3,500 odd some days to achieve those 17 broad goals of the United Nations. And we were sitting there saying, well, here's the timeline. We have a 10 year span. Here's all the work that organizations like, you know, UNICEF are doing. Here's, you know, this global work being done. And a few months later, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. And so what do you think, Christina, will play a key factor in helping to achieve these global goals by 2030? 
Now that's a, that's, there's no easy answer, George, but what I will say is, and you know this better than anyone, is that none of these goals can be achieved alone, right? So you need partnerships, creative solutions, and constant innovation, mm -hmm. willingness, willingness to fail in order to succeed, right? I mean, we need to keep trying new and different things. Um, as I said, I think impact investing um, and crowding in private sector funds is, is part of the solution. And those private sector funds can do things sometimes that government or philanthropy can't do and certainly can't do alone. What I will say is that I am concerned because COVID is threatening to undo de decades of progress, um, impacting immunization rates, child poverty and child mortality. And, and I read the statistic that at least 80 million children under the age of one are at risk of diseases such as diphtheria, measles and polio as COVID is disrupting the vaccination efforts. And that is a huge concern. And you know, I agree with, with Greta Thunberg who, who noted that COVID-19 is, is a crisis, um, is a child's rights crisis. And we need to make sure that um, we take collective action so that children are not falling victim to the secondary impacts of the pandemic, whether that's lack of immunization, loss of schooling, or increase in risks. So I wish I had a better answer, but those are the concerns I have. And I do think the private sector plays a key, a key role as well. Absolutely, 100%. And so the bridge funds committed to using the SDGs as a framework for some of the work yeah. being done. Can you tell our global audience today what goals you specifically target and how is your progress going? Sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm still relatively new at this and learning, uh, as I said, but uh, the Bridge Fund targets multiple SDGs in support of UNICEF's work. And so certainly we've targeted uh, SDG 2, zero, which is about zero hunger, 3, which is about health and well-being, 4, a focus on quality education, 6, which is around clean water and sanitation, 10, around reducing inequalities, and 17. But I will say, um, in particular, um, the work that the Bridge Fund does or has done to, to this date particularly al aligns around SDG 3. So if you look at our fiscal year 19 quarterly report for the Bridge Fund, the majority of our funding went to support health initiatives, particularly for vaccines against polio and measles, where we were able to help procure just in that one year 207 million uh, vaccines on schedule. So that's that's one example, um, but much more needs to be done. Incredible. And so at UNICEF and the work that you're doing, you're a few months in, how are you seeing the organization and your work helping to foster innovation? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about what I'm seeing. I mean, I know that from my, when I read and, and decided to take this job, UNICEF has a 70 year history of innovating for children and they do it through the programs they deliver in over 190 countries, and they have an office of innovation. But I, I was able to read a, about some examples that really captured my imagination, and I'm gonna share three. So the first one is, imagine schools being made out of recycled plastic bricks in Cote d'Ivoire. So UNICEF has partnered with a, a really cool company called Conceptos Plasticos that takes recycled, plastic waste that takes plastic waste and then mostly em employs women to pick up that waste and then converts that waste into plastic bricks, which are proven to be more cost-effective and resilience, resilient and are using those bricks to build schools. So I just think that's a really innovative, like triple bottom line, triple bottom um, line. innovation. 
The second one I read about, and again, need to learn more about, but really captured my imagination, is that vaccines are being delivered via drone in the, rem in the remote Pacific island of Vanuatu. So imagine being able to deliver those vaccines. I don't even know how they do it, given all of the requirements around cold storage for vaccines, but they're doing it. The third example um, is how UNICEF's supply division, which is a core partner of ours, is using its procurement power to incentivize business to create products that UNICEF needs. So what they do is they publish these target product profiles, which is functions as a guide to the private sector to develop products that meet UNICEF's needs. And one example is they were uh, focused on creating a device to help fight pneumonia because um, I didn't know this until I joined uh, UNICEF, but pneumonia is the biggest killer of children under the age of five. And so UNICEF uh, created the Acute Respiratory Infection Diagnostic Aid Project. I had to look that up because it is a mouthful. So UNICEF's ARETA project focused on creating a product to automate the counting of breaths when wow. trying to diagnose if a child has pneumonia. And so UNICEF worked with two partners, uh, Philips and Massimo, and they developed and field trialed devices to replace a manual count of breaths, um, which was less accurate. And when I asked them, well, what has been the impact of this innovation? They were able to tell me that a result of this project, close to 1.3 million children were able to access antibiotic treatment. Over 300,000 children benefited from improved care and over 6,000 health workers were trained and equipped to use the new tools. So okay. I just think that's incredible. I'm in, I'm in awe of how they're using um, their, their power, their market power to drive innovation. Well, I'm just speechless by all of those examples. Yeah. I mean, those are just, those aren't, you know, your common every day. Well, here's what we're doing. That's just changing cool. the world examples. Yeah, it's cool. And it's changing the world. And wow, I can see your excitement as to why, you know, this role is so perfect for you. And why, again, why you're so excited to be celebrating today again your your one <laughs> birthday at two months in to see that excitement still there and, and only growing. Um, and so we're at our final question in this incredibly yeah. insightful interview. And I'd like to ask you, Christina, what are your three key insights that you can share with our global audience that's helped you throughout your successful career? I don't know. I feel like I should be getting advice rather than giving advice, George. So feel free to feel free to share it with me afterwards. But I'll, I'll, I'll share three things that I think have helped me in my career and that I certainly share with my children. So I don't know. Hopefully they're, rele they're, they're relevant for somebody out there. But I would say that the first insight for me is that in change, there is opportunity. And so um, I would encourage anyone who is considering how to grow their career to look for change be comfortable with change and learn how to thrive in it. And, um, you know, I think some people shy away from it, but we're in a, in, a, in a world today where things are changing too fast. Even if you stay within the same company, um, even if you stay within the same role, I mean, think about how we had to adapt and people in their existing roles had to adapt in the context of COVID. So embrace change. The second insight for me is don't make perfect the enemy of good. And I wish I had known that earlier in my career. Um, I think earlier on, I felt like I had to be perfect at something before I had a, ch a chance to raise my hand and say, hey, I, I have something to say. And uh, my encouragement to others is, you know, sometimes you just, you need to learn and be willing to learn and listen, but don't make perfect the enemy of good. 
And the last one, which I, I really do try and impart to my children, is that we each have a responsibility to achieve impact on what I say is a one-to-one, but also a one-to-many basis. And what I mean by that is that each act matters. You know, what I do to make any single person's life better is important. And I think it's important to keep that in mind, in particular, when we're looking at some of these challenges that seem so overwhelming. But simultaneously, we have a responsibility to think about how each one of us can create a greater impact at scale. And that's regardless of whether you're working in the private sector, um, leading a small business or a large corporation, whether you're working for government and in charge of policy or managing contracts that touch thousands or millions of people, or whether you're in a nonprofit implementing a program either locally or internationally. So with that, over back to you, George, and welcome to hear any advice you have. Oh my gosh! I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm I'm not often speechless. I've been saying that a lot lately, but you, you, you've left me in a in an incredibly inspired place after this interview today. And I know for all of our uh, global uh, audience today, it's going to be a lessons learned opportunity from your key insights. Christina Shapiro, president of the Impact Fund for Children at UNICEF USA, today on your two month anniversary as president. I want to thank you for all of these incredible insights. Thank you for all of the work you're doing and will do. I I can't wait to see, and I urge all of our global audience to watch and learn from the leadership that you're bringing to the work at UNICEF USA as president of the Impact Fund for Children. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, George. Bye-bye.